All right, we're back with the Creator Club podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're here with John Marsh. I hope you've had a great start to the week so far. In the show today, we've got a conversation with Kate Gordon. Kate is a CrossFit athlete and a business owner. So she runs a nutrition coaching business and also a programming business. So she does programming for CrossFit affiliates and gyms and individuals. And she's also on the CrossFit seminar staff. So she's a teacher and a coach. And in this conversation, which I really enjoyed, we talk about all of these different things, how she got into running her own business, how she's growing her business. Uh, We also talk about social media. Kate's got a uh, great presence on social media with a very engaged community and and following. Uh, So we talk about that a little bit. And then we also cover something which I think is really cool, which is her specific approach to kind of growth, for lack of a better term, how she stretches herself, how she sets goals, how she uses feedback, and how she reaches out to mentors to play bigger, right? To to stretch herself, to find sort of like the horizons of her capabilities or what she's able to do and so she runs through runs through some specific examples of doing this uh, with her competition and her athletic career and in business as well so there's a lot of insight in here I hope you enjoyed this one it was a great conversation let's dive in you're here with John Marsh this is the Creative Club podcast and today we're talking with Kate Gordon well, I think this is the thing that everyone gets hung up on, like trying to figure out where my accent's from. <laughs> and if you don't know, if you don't know the story, then you just get totally distracted by not being sure where it's from. So I was born in New Zealand, um, lived there until I was 17 and then, uh, or sorry, lived in Auckland until I was 17 and then moved to Dunedin for uni. So yeah. I spent a couple of years in Dunedin and then finished university in the US. So I moved to the US when I was 19. And I was in, I was actually in Orange County to begin with. So I was studying film of all things, mm. studying film. I originally wanted to be a dancer. I didn't get into the dance school that I wanted to get into. So I shifted towards performing arts um, to go to this university in Dunedin. And long story short, tore my ACL skiing down in the South Island of New Zealand, took a year of dancing. That was the year that I decided to go and do an exchange and by the time I'd completed all of my units between New Zealand and uh, the US, they'd given me a film degree. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was sort of a, a direction that I hadn't intended on going on going in. But the path that I chose was I didn't get into the stunt school, so I thought that I would try again the following year. And in the meantime, I would just go and do the things that I really enjoy. And it was always something that my parents fully supported. They were like, man, just do what you love. Mm. There's, you know, and anything but that would would ultimately be a waste of time and you'd end up back where you started in the long run. So I did a ton of film courses. I did a ton of uh, performing arts stuff. I did some dance, that whatever was available at the school. Um, I did songwriting. I did set design. I did screenwriting. I did a criminology paper. I did. I just did everything and anything. It was just this real like mixed pot of whatever I was interested in. Um, I finished university and graduated. And then I hung out in the States for as long as I could. And that was when I found CrossFit. So I'd been training and funnily enough, tearing my ACL had kind of 
push me into training more because I had to have the surgery. So I decided to go and see a PT beforehand as like the, I guess the prehab. And then I was seeing someone for the rehab after Mm. the surgery. And what happened was I got into running, I got into doing group fitness classes, and then I wanted to do a little bit more. And I'd seen CrossFit on, I think it was like Tumblr at the time, you know, like online vlogs. And I was like, those girls look hardcore. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that's what I want to look like, but I was like, this looks interesting. And I bought a, just a voucher. It was like a Groupon for 30 days. I think I dropped in once and was like, no, I can't afford this. Like I was, I just graduated from uni. I was saving up to go back to the US. I'd, I'd already working at a gym and a member of another gym. And I was like, this is, this doesn't even make sense. And I walked into the gym on the last day of this trial and spoke to the owner and was like, hey, thank you for your time. I'm done. I'm good. She was like, no, no, no. <laughs> You're going to stay, do three months. I'll give you a discounted rate. I'll give you the student rate. And then, then you can decide. I think it was six months actually. She locked me in for six months, which funnily enough is unusual for CrossFit gyms mm. because the CrossFit like model was always, we don't lock people in. We don't do the contracts. We're not a global gym. We're not cheap. We're going to commit, you know, one month at a time and you decide whether you stay or not. But she'd give me this discount. I'd locked myself into six months and walked home and was like, shit, what am I doing? Mm. But eventually what happened was I was like, well, I mean, I'm here, so let's just roll with it. And I went from, you know, one CrossFit session to two to three. And then my six months was up and that was when I was moving back to the US. So this was in Auckland in New Zealand. I was in between graduating from my school, which I'd finished my final year in the US and then was going back to the US. So you can kind of do this sort of work work around with visas. I had a a student visa while I was an exchange student and then you can get a graduate visa and you can work on a graduate visa. So it was like, cool, I'll max out. It has to be within 12 months of graduating. So I was like, cool, well, I'll just max out that time frame. I was back and forth just traveling a little bit saving up some money and then I went back over and started doing of all things a web marketing internship with a yeah. company that was a buddy of my dad's he gave me a paid internship it was great it meant that I didn't have to have as much money to get into the U.S. on this visa it set me up for like I think it was 12 weeks and it was like cool I'll just go do this web marketing internship it was the one and only time I've worked in an office and it was the the, the thing that told me that I was not cut out for office work because And to be fair, I wasn't really given anything. I was just the intern that was like friends with the owner. And it was like, I think they were just like trying to make room for me. So they gave me a desk and then they were like, cool, well, just, hey, go on Google like SEO and and see what you come up with. And I was like, man, this is a big fuck around. What am I doing? So I was falling asleep most days, just struggling to get through and hated it. And there was a CrossFit gym down the corner from me. And I'd just last minute before I moved to the US again, I'd gotten my level one, which was a little bit random and out of the blue. I was never intending on coaching, mm-hmm. but I was I was drinking the Kool-Aid hard at that point. Like yeah. when I'd gotten from, you know, one, two, three sessions and then four and five, and I was fully committed to like every week I was showing up. I loved it. I knew everyone's name. Everyone knew me. It was like I was I was all in. I was full frother on CrossFit (laughs) and I'd seen a lot of progress. Like I was in my early twenties. I'd had a somewhat athletic background. Like I'd I'd been a dancer for a long time. I'd been super active as a kid and done a mixture of like gymnastics and martial arts and skiing in the winter. So like a little bit of everything. And when I got to CrossFit, it was like, I I sort of, I was just strong. I had Mm. this, like, I guess I had a little bit of, um, I don't know. I guess it was a little bit of genetics and a little bit of like um, a little bit of an upbringing that 
meant that I kind of showed up and was like, hey, I can do this stuff. So yeah. I'd, I'd had the I'd had the success from like in, increasing my attendance and success from actually improving and progressing with regards to all the stuff that you do on CrossFit. So at that point, I was like, I love this thing. This is the best. So I, a buddy of mine had pulled out of his level one and I was like, I'll take it. I'll take that spot. And it was back in the day where level ones would sell out. It would yeah. be like 50 to 60 people. Yeah. You Like it would be hard to get onto a level one. So got my spot on the level one, did that maybe maybe a month out from going back to the US. So headed, head, went back to the US hated this internship there was a gym down the road and I was like I'm gonna go and work at that gym so I rolled up and I'd I actually I hadn't been training there I don't know what I was doing for training at the time I think I was just not training um but I rolled into this gym and was like hey like I've worked at the front desk of a gym I've got my level one can I can I do some work do you need anybody and they were like yeah come and come and be our like membership person you can just sit on the front desk and do some computer stuff and check people in um so I did that for probably probably a month and then eventually they were like, we need a coach. Anyone who's got their CrossFit level one, if you're in a, an affiliate, like a CrossFit affiliate, at some point they will ask you to coach. Mm. Like can guarantee it because every CrossFit gym at some point needs a coach, whether it's for cover, whether it's because something's happened, whether they just need another coach, whatever. Like that's not hard to find a job as a CrossFit coach. Every gym is looking for a coach. So I got dragged in and I just ended up shadowing um, and then running classes. And then that was my full-time gig. So I pulled the pin on the web marketing internship and was like, hey, I'm out of here and just started working at this gym and then hung out there for the remainder of my period with the visa. And then a little bit longer, I came back in on an Esther and just like hung out for it, just kept pushing it out, was back and forth for a while after that. Uh, and then I was back in New Zealand again started coaching at CrossFit New Zealand and that was when I started interning on the CrossFit seminars. Okay. Which I'd actually so this started is like in the US. That, when, what, what year is this roughly? Uh, 2014. Yeah. Yeah, roughly around there. Uh, 2013 actually. So I was in the US 2013, came back to New Zealand. I'd started my first internship. So the internships for CrossFit seminars, you literally just hang out on the seminar for the weekend. Um, so I'd done one of them in the US. It was just purely watching and observing. The second one, you actually start to do some stuff and yeah. you know display whether you have skill or not. So I came back to Australia or came back rather to New Zealand and did my second internship in Australia. So over the period of like, I guess it would have been six months, I was going back and forth from Australia to New Zealand, New Zealand, doing these internships, got on seminar staff and continued to just travel. And so I was kind of pulling back from coaching at CrossFit New Zealand and then I had a really big fallout with the owner and he mm. fired me. So mm. I got fired and uh, the guy that I was working with a lot on seminars in CrossFit, uh, in Brisbane at CrossFit Rocks in a little suburbs called 17 Mile Rocks was like, hey, I need a coach. Come and work for me. Come move to Australia. You're here every weekend anyway. Like just come over. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like there was nothing about Brisbane that was attractive. I didn't even really care for living in Australia. I was like, oh, that's what every New Zealander does. Like, I don't know. Um, and then I was like, you know what, I, what's, what's in Auckland for me? Like there was nothing there for me. Was, there was the gym that I used to train at and all my friends used to train there. And I was like, I don't want to go back to that. So I pulled the pen and moved to Australia and it was the best decision ever. So funnily enough, I often reflect back on being fired as a catalyst for a lot of things to happen in my life. Um, especially with regards to competing. Cause the gym that I trained at was the gym that I first went to the games with. Okay. In yeah. Brisbane. Yep, yeah, across at Rocks. So yeah. I moved there 2014. We competed at the Games in 2015. 
Um, and then I hung out there for five years. There was a lot of up and downs. I was a pretty headstrong person just in general to work with. So any issues, I would always bring them up. I had a lot of very difficult conversations with the owner of the gym, but man, I learned a lot from them and from being there. And ultimately with between him and another mentor that I had that ran CrossFit Brisbane, Matt Swift, yeah. whom you might be familiar with. Um, I just learned heaps about coaching, about running a business, about just being a growth minded person mm. in general. Um, and then I moved to Melbourne and that was kind of prompted by Matt Swift. He'd been my training partner. Um, and that was when I decided I wanted to take competing to the next level. Yeah. He was the one who kind of gave me a lot of these, I guess, insights to what it takes to take, you know, level up in this, in yeah, essence. He's a beast. Yeah. Like he, and he is, he's, his partner is a psychologist, like a yeah. sports psychologist for the Olympic dive team and swimmers. So like she's extremely well versed in understanding how to be a competitor, how to apply the right kind of mindset and how to think your way through training mm. rather than kind of be thrown by the circumstance or your surroundings or your environment. So they were awesome. They were my inner circle for a long time. And then he was pulling the pin on training. He, he officially retired. I think it was yeah. about his third third time trying to retire and he officially did it. Um, and he was like, man, go to Melbourne. That was the the guy whose programming we were following was based in Melbourne. Um, he's like, if I were you, I would be moving my ass to Melbourne and training with those guys. Like I, I didn't have a partner, no kids, no house, nothing. Mm. He's like, man, take your stuff and go. What's holding you back? Mm. So I, I did it. I pulled the pin. Moved to Melbourne, and then that was the year that I competed at the Games again. So they asked me to be on their team in 2019. Yeah. Um, which, Where'd funnily you train enough, out of in Melbourne? So that was at Reebok CrossFit Frankston. Yeah. And that was the year that I was primed to compete individually. But last minute, they were like, hey, we have a spot. One of the girls had pulled out. It was a team with Rob Forte, Maddie Sturt, and James Newbury. And for anyone who's not a CrossFitter listening to this, they are like – they are the best of the best in Australia. Mm. <laughs> like they've been the, the veterans of the CrossFit Games, you know, in terms of the CrossFit Games being the Olympics of CrossFit. Mm. It's like they are incredible athletes. And uh, when they asked me to be on the team, I actually gave Swifty, Matt Swift, a call and was like, hey, look, I really want to compete individually, but Rob Forte has asked me to be on a team with him and Maddie and James. What do you think? Do, you, do I go individual? Do I hold off a year? Like what happens? And he was like, I'm, I'm expecting like a very deep, serious answer. And he was like, mate, people would pay to be on that team. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, what am I doing? And just, it was like the slap across the face I needed. Um, and so I jumped on the team and that was the team that we then qualified to go and compete at the games again. So cool. yeah. And then, and then COVID hit, um, my partner is originally from Newcastle. So we ended up moving back here to hang out, which was going to be just a Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, man, let's stay let's yeah. stay let's do it let's do a year at least by the beach and hang out and um and then see what happens see if you like it yeah yeah cool okay so how did the at some point you started to create the training right like the cfk like the the training programs and nutrition programs what was the uh was that out of necessity was that opportunity that you started to see like or did it come off the back of like building your sort of online profile? What was the sequence that went from coach at the gym, athlete at the games, that kind of thing into building kind of what you do now and, and creating, I guess, the business side of that and helping other people with their journey? 
two things were happening. There was Kate the coach and Kate the athlete. Mm-hmm. And Kate the athlete had started CF Kate, which was my Instagram page. And it was just an outlet. It was like a, I didn't want to be that person in my friend's group who just talked about CrossFit. <laughs> so I secretly went off to a different corner of the internet and started CF Kate as a just separate page that not, none of my friends would know about. Um, and that just eventually gained more and more traction from me just posting workouts. And then after competing, you get shared by different, different pages. I was sharing some of the stuff that I was doing with regards to movements or progressions or skill work, whatever it was. And so that kind of started to pick up and start doing its own thing. So literally just so people are clear, like basically just documenting what you were doing. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, it definitely was a lot of just me in a sports bra and shorts, like just doing my random thing. Yeah. Um, I started to get a lot of interest actually when I'd injured my back. So this was 2015 after competing at the games. And so the process that I went through was a lot of just fixing my squat. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of passive squat holds. Mm -hmm. I started doing a lot of kind of Ido Portal stuff, which Mm -hmm. is just like primal movement, I want to mm. say. It was like I was hanging out in no shoes more. I was sitting in the bottom of a squat and just trying to gain some functional flexibility. Yeah. Um, I was also doing a lot of gymnastic stuff to build towards a press to handstand, a straddle press to handstand. So there were kind of these things that I was doing while I was injured, but I like also simultaneously was still a competitive athlete and was trying to get back there. So I kind of invited people to this in on this like – just day one day at a time journey of like, let's see what I can do today and I'll find something that I'm enjoying and I'll just, I'll just play with that. Yeah. So there was that happening and then slowly more and more interest came again with things where it wasn't the shiny stuff. It wasn't the shiny, pretty, well presented, look at my best one RM snatch. It was, oh, I've, I've injured my back or, oh, I'm having these issues with my hormones or, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. dealing with this. And people resonated with the struggles, yeah. which was really interesting. Yeah. So Eventually, I started talking about how I coached people with those struggles. And that just, again, had more and more traction the more that I just shared the probably probably the scary stuff, like the stuff that felt really personal. But from coaching other people, what I'd realized was there were struggles that while they felt personal were certainly not really personal. They were something that everybody experiences. Do you remember the first time you started to do that like do you remember like the moment we were like oh i don't know if i'm going to talk about this and there's been a lot of those i still (laughs) have them um there was there was a post that i put up that was not a photo it wasn't a photo and it wasn't a video it was a screenshot of the notes on my phone Mm -hmm. and it was in big lettered writing like i'd kind of like cut this picture out and put like a text up on it And it was actually talking about nutrition coaching and it was talking about tracking food being similar to tracking the weights that you lift in the gym. Mm -hmm. Just discussing like, do you need to track? Well, probably not. But if you don't track, it's very hard to understand where you need to go to improve. Yeah. So I started talking kind of about nutrition, which felt safer because I was a nutrition coach at the time. So this is the other part of me. Had the CFK athlete version and then I had the coach which I'd been coaching in a gym from when I moved to the US which I guess I was probably 21 at the time when I started coaching 21 22 Mm -hmm. and I'd been full-time either on the front desk or running you know 5 a.m sessions all the way through to like the 8 p.m session at the gym and eventually what happened was i started doing the seminars I'd been managing I'd managed three gyms at the time and was kind of getting to a point where I was actually a pretty miserable coach to be around. Like I was pretty jaded. Like <laughs> I remember having one of my coaches come in and say like, man, 
sometimes I just wonder if you like me. And I was like, okay, this is bad. (laughs) This is bad. This is not good. I was impatient. I wasn't a nice person. I was just like, I think I was just at the end of my tether really. And while I was excited and I loved it and I loved to learn and grow, I think just my time in a gym, I either needed a break or I needed a, a change. Like I needed to be somewhere different. And what happened was as the, at the point that I decided to move to Melbourne, that was when I said, fuck anything that gets in the way of training. I'm going to start doing online coaching. And I'd been offered a job to work with the method now based out of Adelaide. Mm-hmm. It's just online nutrition coaching. So I was like, cool, I'm going to do that. That means nothing, nothing conflicts with being in the gym, like needing to be in the gym, needing to be doing recovery, needing to prep my food, like nothing will get in the way of that. So what I said that year was, I just want a lifestyle that allows me to train whenever I want. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was all I wanted. And that was in, in terms of, I wanted to be at my best competitively And I wanted to have balance. So I wanted to be able to make sure that whatever I was doing to support me never stopped me from doing the thing that I really liked, which was training. Yeah. Um, So when I shifted online, that was, that was, I mean, I guess that's when things started to cross over. Like the, the two versions of me, the online CFK athlete version and the coach version started to intersect more because suddenly the online coaching stuff I was getting people that were following me wanting to be coached by me online. Whereas prior to that, it was only ever face to face. Mm -hmm. The people that I coached had no idea of who I was. I was just the chick in the gym that was at the front reading the stuff off the whiteboard. Then all of a sudden it changed and people were being coached and they knew me via my online Instagram presence, whether they knew me before they started coaching with me or they started to be coached by me and then started following me. It didn't matter. Suddenly me as a coach existed online. So was that just quickly, was that kind of what, how did this was at Frankston at the time? Yeah. So were you getting like people from the, from the gym? There's a couple of things that popped into my mind. One is I want to talk about whether everyone could be starting to like basically document their journey if they're coaching. Right. Cause I think that's a really cool thing that you did. A lot of people wouldn't think about that, but then two, were you finding that it was crossing over into the real world? Like people were joining Frankston or were they coming to your class or were they seeking you out at the gym because of the online side at that point? Um, was it more separate? It was still too, it was like the internet's a big place. Like, mm. so I didn't find that I had this, uh, a big enough concentration of people that were following me in the same place in as the me, same like place, physically. Yeah. So the people in the gym still, and I still love the gym for that reason. I can walk into a gym and I don't know anybody. They don't know me. Yeah. And I, I actually enjoyed that a lot also because I'm a seminar staff member. So for people who don't know what the seminar staff meant, like, trainers are I coach people that want to become coaches so anyone who's done their CrossFit level one or level two in Australia and New Zealand has probably been trained by me so it's really hard to go into a gym and not be known by anyone specifically the gym owners and the gym coaches so I walk into a gym and people suddenly like oh god oh god it's my like teacher from my course that was testing me (laughs) (laughs) and start freaking out so it's this funny interaction so when I'm coaching in a gym it's actually nice when people have no idea who I am and I have not been in a scenario where I've had people really come to a gym to physically yeah. like occasionally I get drop-ins and it happens here in, in Newcastle at CrossFit light like people come in to just see if I'm around yeah but it's just drop-ins every now and again so a, a little bit more like but it's still not not a massive like people are coming to my class but definitely for online coaching yeah it's like people are coming for CFK So yeah, there was this big crossover where I was online coaching. I had an online platform that was probably 
at about 10k followers at that time maybe maybe not even quite that like it took me a long time to get to that point because I wasn't really posting anything and I won't say that it wasn't a value but there was nothing to take away from it except to just observe me as a human and whatever the heck I was doing in the gym Mm -hmm. once I started to share more of my struggles more of my coaching philosophy I want to say like things that I was repeatedly telling my clients with regards to food or training or just mindset whatever it was points of view assertions yeah, yeah, like opinions was, that kind of stuff a lot of it felt like opinions yeah. and funnily enough what I what I've experienced now is the more polarizing an opinion is the more interest it, it can often get mm. so I actually encourage people to make big statements mm. you know I've been talking to a lot of my coaches that I contract out to now and I'm trying to get them to build up a presence so that they have the same thing that I've experienced where it's like you don't necessarily have to go looking for clients like lead generation is actually not an issue for me mm. it's a little bit challenging because I don't do a lot of work with people people can come to me but then they get coached by someone else yeah so that process has been interesting for sure. But with these coaches now, I'm like, hey, like build up a presence and just share stuff and don't be afraid to make mistakes. And, and that's cool. And if you do, own up to it. Like mm. it, there's nothing wrong with being human. So don't be afraid. But I think that what people tend to do is they're so afraid of saying the wrong thing or sharing a wrong opinion or that one person disagreeing with them that they won't do anything. Mm. And it's like, what's the worst thing? I'd prefer to be like saying stuff that someone disagrees with then not saying anything at all yeah ultimately if you're trying to build an online presence so yeah yeah okay cool so then you organically are getting interest people want training they want to do what you are doing they've seen your back injury journey they've seen you talk about stuff a little bit different and at this point you're like okay i'm going to do nutrition i'm going to do training i'm going to do it all at once uh or was there a is there what what was the sequence to like sort of go okay this is how the business is going to look at this point I've never done that I've never done the ah okay I'm going to start a business this is how I want it to look and I keep having these moments of like I and I know you've said it to me before as well I just want to burn it all down because I want to start over and do it all differently (laughs) what happened for me was I was working with this nutrition company and I was making pennies when I could have been making bucks yeah should have been making way more but the fee that I was essentially effectively paying them for sending me clients that I was already like getting for them I was referring my own clients to myself but they would go through the system yeah so they would take a massive lump of the fee and I was like I mean I could have half the number of clients for the same price and be making like significantly more money so I, I got to a point where I was like I have enough people on Instagram. I feel confident enough in what I do that I could do this on my own. And it was the best thing I did. I left them. I had a non-compete for 12 months. So what that forced me to do was I actually departed from the online nutrition coaching for a year. And I purely did online programming. Yeah. So I was doing writing CrossFit programs for people training at home, writing CrossFit programs for affiliates. And just it started with like, I think I had... I actually had one, maybe two athletes that I was programming individually for. And then it got to a point where I had maybe four or five and I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't write this many individual programs. And I believe in CrossFit, which CrossFit is effectively as much as we all feel like we need something special and unique and different. And we may have different goals. CrossFit essentially says what we're really preparing for is life. And life has these challenges and these things that we should be able to do. 
you know, tasks that we have to accomplish or things that with kids or with travel or with walking along the beach that we just need to be able to physically com- complete and be effective and efficient at ideally. Mm-hmm. So CrossFit will train you in a way to prepare you for life not for the goal of looking a certain way for your wedding or for the goal of like whatever it is so crossfit is very much like kind of everybody does the same program mm. um because the goal isn't specific to one person the goal is specific to all of us going through this thing called life yeah so i decided that i needed to write a program and and plus what happens with individual programs is you end up writing different programs that are kind of the same like they ultimately were very similar. Like I have a programming methodology that means that you can look at four or five different people and they kind of look the same. Like mm. the format's the same. Some of the movements might've been different, but I, I have a style of programming. Mm. That's just my style. It's very true to CrossFit. And it just didn't make sense to me to be writing that many programs. Yeah. And I realized that I could scale this by writing a group program as well. So I was like, okay, threw away the individualized programs and just told those people, I was like, hey, this is the change I'm making. Like, I understand if you want individualized programming, you can go elsewhere, but otherwise it's not going to be too far off what you're already doing. Let's shift it to, into group programming. And so I just started doing that and just started essentially talking about it as like a, hey, like I'm doing programming now. You can come and do my program on, inst- on Instagram and slowly just picked up people from that. So that was a, that was like that shift towards programming was somewhat by necessity because I couldn't do nutrition for a while. Mm. Um, but also because I, I did want to explore that side of things. CrossFit is still like, and I think it always will be. It's the thing that I, I know the most. Nutri- nutrition is one of those things where it's like, there are so many rabbit holes and so many things and all the science and all the, all the like complexity of nutrition. I will never know all of it, mm. but CrossFit I'm, I'm pretty thorough with, like I, I understand the methodology i understand everything that greg glassman was talking about when he started talking about crossfit and that's part of being one of the head trainers like one of the red shirts yeah you get it on the deeper level yeah we just we understand the material like i've delivered it so many times it's just like i know like the back of my hand so Mm. i feel really confident with that i also feel very confident about coaching yeah like especially in person man like that's when i'm that's when i feel my best so I was actually, I was quite, quite happy to leave nutrition for a while because nutrition can be more challenging for me. Um, so I did that for a year and then <laughs> I, wasn't, I was not really planning on doing nutrition or if I was, I wasn't sure what it was going to look like. And then I had two of the previous coaches from that same company come to me going, we can't take this anymore. We're not being paid enough. We need to do something else. Will you help us? And I'd been chatting to them here and there about what I was doing now and and what my business kind of was looking like and how I was making money. And uh, we'd just been chatting and they just eventually was like, hey, like, do you have any ideas? And so that was when I was like, you know what? We could just do our own nutrition thing, like us three. What if we just do that? And Mm -hmm. so that was like the catalyst. They wanted to leave. I had an ability to bring clients in. And so we essentially have like more or less repeated the model of the previous company that we were contractors for a few changes just in terms of the way that we service people because Mm. we offer a little bit more I guess a little bit more I want to say flexibility we're probably a little bit more holistic Mm. um we are yeah we're a little bit more against the grain in terms of the way that we want to help people so yeah I kind of I I wanted to do something that 
anything I didn't like about this previous company, I was going to do differently. Yeah. Um, and that was everything from how much the coaches got paid to time off to the way that we coached people. Um, but still when I look at it, I'm like, ah, it's, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same. And if I were to sit down and, and start a company that was offering nutrition coaching, what would I want that to actually look like? And I think what's sl- like slowly going to happen in the evolution of my career and my business is it will go from, it's very much, I guess, client-led coaching at the moment where it's like, hey, you, you just sign up for a weekly subscription to check in with a coach once a week. And you might have goals and might have periods that you're doing different things, but whatever you come to me with is what I'll coach you on. So it's very like kind of loose and just, hey, like there are some people that will be doing this and some people that, that will be doing that. Mm-hmm. There's no curriculum. There's no course. There's no outline. It's just whatever you come to me with, I'll help you with. Yeah. And I think what will probably happen and what I'll play with is having more of a coach-led system where it's like, hey, you come to me and this is what you will take away from that. Um, and leaning further and further away from being uh, strict with like very regimented eating towards like, hey, like what does healthy look like and what does happy look like? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I see happening in my brain. But yeah, it, it's one of those things where <laughs> the business was never, I, I never even viewed as, as a business. Yeah. And I still don't even know if I do. Like I, I'm getting there, <laughs> but it's taken me a long time to actually go like, hey, and it's probably the point that I got to when I was like reaching out to you, like I actually need to do something because I was, I started to find all the ways that I was just a barrier to myself. Mm. Like I was just, I wasn't skilled with this. I wasn't very good with systems. I wasn't very good with numbers, but I was really good at that thing. But I was doing this in a way that wasn't allowing me to express that. And it was just these things where I was like, man, I'm, I'm in my own way yeah. and I can, I can see the possibility and the potential here, but I, I can't seem to access it. And how do I do this? Yeah. Um, and do you so, think yeah. it was like a, um, like I've, I've in the past with businesses have felt this where all of a sudden I'll realize that I was kind of not avoiding it, but sort of not looking at it. But then, so there was like a couple of stages. I had to start to look at it, realize that I hadn't been looking at it closely. Same in relationships, training, everything. Right. And then, and then the next level was like really enjoying looking at it. Right. Which is like a second gear. It was like, loving the work on the business kind of thing. Do you feel like that um, played out at all where you just were not choosing to not look at it, not to, you know, focus, not to, um, you know, kind of, kind of avoid that, whether it's responsibility or the business side of it, or was it sort of just because it came into fruition sort of organically, it just hadn't been a priority or hadn't been something that you'd really thought about in that way. I definitely was playing small. And I think that's probably a bit of a default for everyone Mm. when you start something new, like whether it was me when I started CrossFit before I decided that I wanted to be competitive and Mm. play big, I was playing small because I was new, I was learning, I was just trying to get better and I I didn't really think that it would be anything more than that. I loved it. Same thing with what I do for work. It's like I I just wanted to make enough money to do what I enjoyed. Like I didn't really think beyond that. So I accidentally played small Mm -hmm. and almost to a degree didn't take it seriously and so it wasn't until I decided that I wanted to play big like it wasn't until I went you know what no like 
I want it to be better. And like you said, I want to look at the holes and I want to see what actually has to be done here to make this work. Mm. Because it can, and I know that I can make this big, but it was a bit of a leap of like, even my language around like what I just said, I just want to make enough money to enjoy yeah, and be yeah. able to do what I enjoy and, yeah. and and pay my rent and put food on the table, like whatever, I don't need it to, you know. I think I even said at one point, like, it's never going to be a big business. Mm. I think I remember saying that, talking to Greg, my partner, about the transition from me coaching alone to me having other people working with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah. And actually the girl that I started with that came over from the previous company, she was like, hey, I want to be a partner with you. One, I'm a selfish asshole. And I was like, hell no, like I'm going to take all the credit for this business. Like, no, I don't want to be a partner. And I don't trust that we can work together that well for a long period of time. I didn't know her well enough. I didn't know what she was like at running a business. I was like, I was immediately like, oh, no, no, no. But part of that as well was going it's just a small thing. Mm. There's no business here to be a partner in. Like, what are you talking about? Mm. But you want to be a partner? Like, man, this is just like a, I can't even describe it. It was like, it was like she was talking about having one of the best restaurants in town that was like, you know, that had an incredible reputation and had all the reviews. Meanwhile, I'm like, I don't even know how to make a sandwich. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I'm, I don't know what you're talking about with being a partner. Like, so I think, the the shift for me was like hey if i want this to keep moving in a way where i feel good about it and i know that i'm satisfied with the work that i'm doing and i know that not only am i taking care of the people that are involved but i'm taking care of what i need to feel like i'm excited and challenged and and growing and 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 doing the hard stuff Mm. then like i have to take this seriously yeah and and have to play big and so yeah. i think that was it and i i know that i've had that transition in a lot of other places as well yeah i was going to ask you about that um just quickly it's interesting a lot of people and we've all been there right we like say they'll say with the business i don't want to grow a big business i don't want it to be anything big i just want to have it be nice and small and basically be like it is now but make a little bit more money and be a little bit more comfortable Um, And I always think about it kind of like training. It's like someone coming in and saying like, I don't want to be too strong or something. It's like, there's so, that's so far away that it's, it's, it's almost like it can trick you, right? Because then you maybe don't show up enough times a week to get any result or whatever. But it's definitely a narrative that I think we have a lot as like fear of, well, what if I get, run down or if it's overwhelming or that kind of thing. Um, my question for you is how, what's your process for reframing the realization that whether it was on the social media or the training, going to the games or with the business, the I'm playing small, right? Which is like kind of maybe the first stage to I'm going to do something about it. And then taking action to do something about it i feel like a lot of people and i've been there as well a bunch of times we are like all right maybe i'm playing small i'm gonna take action and then there's like this fence zone we like ding 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 like in between the like ping pong back and forth sometimes you break out of it and you take the action like you go big and then other times you like get distracted and something else pops up What's your process? Like, how do you reflect on that? How did you do it in training? How do you do it in other areas where you flip the switch and go, all right, uh, this is going to just change now. And then 
implement? I always ask for help. Okay. Every time, whether it's training, relationships, business, asking for help has been the the breakthrough method for me. Is that on identifying where you're playing small or is that on the action side? That's probably a little bit on the action side, but it also is the thing that will often identify that I'm playing small. So sometimes I ask for help before I've decided that I'm trying to play big. Yeah. Sometimes like, so my example with CrossFit is I went to Matt Swift going, Hey, I want to compete at regionals, which is what we currently call quarterfinals. And it's the step before qualifying to the games. So there's sort of these different categories of athletes with regard to their level. You might have someone who performs really well in the open, the first phase. You might have someone that performs really well in the phase between the open and the games, but they don't get to the games. And then you have the games athletes. And I was like, I want to get to that middle phase. Like I was an open athlete. I was slowly getting there. And I was like, hey, I really want to compete. And that's the point that I want to get to. And he was like, man, that's that's within reach. Like, what are you doing? That goal is, you're, that was me going, I don't want to get too fit. I don't want to get too big like I don't want the business to be too successful Mm. and and me thinking that you know I would be able to actually get to that point so he sort of turned around was like you actually need the big goal and that was what prompted me to then go hey what am I doing what what do I want what do I what kind of person do I want to really be here what's the dream that I'm not saying out loud and I think kind of what you were saying before where it's like people like I don't want to I don't I just want to be a small business I just want this And as much as people may believe that, what a nice way to stay in your comfort zone, Mm. right? Like what a nice way to put out your insecurities in a way that protects you, right? Like I don't want to do too much. I don't want to, I don't want too big of a thing. I don't want all that responsibility. Oh man, stress. It's like, Mm. you're just playing to your insecurities. Like you'll never break out of that if that's the language and the language is a protective mechanism. So often for me, I'll actually be at that point where I'm like, I would like to be a little bit better. Not too much, but a little bit. So I'll ask someone for help. Mm -hmm. I'll proactively get some, try and find someone who can give me some feedback. I understand how effective feedback is. My whole career is revolved around it, CrossFit seminar stuff. It's a a brutal process of feedback. Mm. And so I've implemented that with being a trainer, with being an athlete, and now with having a business. And so what happened with training is I said hey I want to get to this point and he goes no 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 you need a bigger goal you need something bigger scarier that will push you to become way more than than what you're planning on being because this little goal this keeps you in comfort and this keeps you as a mediocre athlete you might not get to that big goal but you will accomplish far more by stepping into that like path Mm -hmm. and putting yourself on that trajectory than you will by saying I'll just get to this one that's not a worthy goal for you So have something that even if you fail, at least you're doing something that's worthy. So I think that's one of the things I'll often ask for the help before I realize that I want to take it to that next level. So I I think I'm probably leaning on my insecurities, leaning on the like, I don't want to do too much. Ask for help. That will propel me to one, have a new perspective and two, want to take action. Yeah. You so probably subconsciously know that that person's by now going to show you something, you show yeah. you something bigger, right? <laughs> I'm a coach. I know what accountability does, yeah. right? It's like, I will use and abuse accountability and feedback to make myself better. And so I might go in with one thing, but I'm fully prepared for the, someone to come back to me and be like, 
no, you need this. And I'm mm. like, yes, sir, I'll do that. Mm. If someone is watching me and telling me and talking to me and giving me feedback and giving me accountability and support, I will do anything. Mm. I will do anything for a mentor or a coach. Yeah. So now in terms of your day-to-day life, because you've got these different places where you can express that, uh, it's a bit cliched, but like kind of discomfort sort of thing whether you're posting on social media or you're doing work in the business or training, are you like daily kind of like finding that edge? Like are you, is your day-to-day life, you know, if someone's sort of trying to reflect on this in their life for you, are you going along and are you living? What does that look like daily? Like are you waking up and, and finding things that are outside of that edge? Is it constantly like a stretch or are you, mostly comfortable and then once in a while like seeing something or thinking about the games again or thinking about something that's bigger in the horizon does that make sense yeah it makes sense I think I feel like I'm, I'm in that right now with the business yeah Be, and what I'm also coming up against is like I'm an ideas person I can come up with ideas that's why I'm good at content I, I just have ideas for stuff and I love thinking about things and and I'll play around with like just the creativity of it like I get really excited and and new ideas pop into my brain all the time which is awful because when you're trying to run a business mm. if you have 20 million ideas mm. every day like nothing gets done <laughs> so I'm coming into this thing where I'm like oh wow like I have ideas but execution implementation systems like just the back end of stuff it's like yeah the follow-through it's like okay now I'm essentially finding the holes and that's what my process is it's not well actually I won't say that it's not getting better at the stuff that you're already good at because part of it actually is that part of it is playing to your strengths but a big part of my process is the uncomfortable stuff is like, where are my holes and what do I need to do to try to improve that? And so yeah. a lot of the time, the day-to-day thing feels really unproductive and really shit because I know what I'm not doing well. Yeah. So I'm often going like, I didn't do that today. I didn't do this. I need to do this thing. And the other thing that I've just figured out is apart from the fact that I'm a goddamn ideas person and I don't know how to implement things consistently over the long run (laughs) is that I also tend to overestimate my ability to do things within a day so it's like I can write really good to-do lists that are impossible to get done so a lot of it is actually just fine-tuning some of those little things Mm. and what has to come before that is awareness so I think that that's part of the coaching when I have a third like a set of eyes the third party on the outside looking in and you can objectively say hey what about this hey look at this yeah then that kind of gives me the ability to do the same that kind of gives me that perspective shift so that's been one of the things that's helped me in terms of like finding the the gaps and that's where my discomfort zone is um so yeah that's probably been the thing for me at least for the day-to-day it's it's not that I feel like I'm crushing it in fact it kind of feels like the opposite but that's very different to not being on. Yeah. So that's very different to like not being go- like not going after the goal. Yeah. What happened over the past probably two years? It was actually from the 2019 CrossFit Games. I sprained my ankle really badly at the games. Had a really shit injury. Was out for a, a few months, and then COVID hit. So it was like I had I had like six months of training. COVID hit, and it was like cool. I'm forced to take time off, and so I didn't have any big goals with CrossFit. I was like ah maybe. 
maybe I'm kind of done. Like COVID's gone into my way. Like I was very much a victim of circumstance and was like, ah, what do you do? Like mm. a, a lot of it was out of my control. I was in Melbourne at the time and it was like, man, we were, we were proper lockdown for yeah. two years. It was like, I have no control over this. So whatever, I let, I let it go. So I just flicked into like barely, barely maintenance mode. It yeah. was just like, I was just doing enough to feel like I was still training, but it was the, it was the minimum. And what's happened in the last... I, I competed again this year at Torian on a team, but it was a bit of a slap together team. We didn't really train together much. It was four pretty fit individuals that could show up and probably compete even without preparing because we've all had prior com- competition experience. So I came away from that and I said to Greg, hey, after Torian asked me if I want to compete again. <laughs> and I knew that he was going to ask me and we'd had all these conversations about it. And he's the kind of person that doesn't want to go. He's like, no, no, no. I just want to know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't care about where I end up. I just want to know what can I do tomorrow. And I'm like, I get that. But so we ended up having this big talk about whether I need the goal or not. And we went back and forth. And it took probably, probably took six months from finishing Torian to getting to this point of just like meandering through training and feeling kind of mediocre and just like not having any, not having any real intention behind what I was doing. Yeah. So this is recent. This is super recent. Yeah. yeah. yeah, And so the flick for me was going like, no, even like, even if I don't really, it's funny, the goal, even though it sometimes is meaningless, it creates so much drive and so much clear direction. That's mm. really what it is. Mm. It's not really giving you motivation. It's not really doing anything. It's just defining the direction that you want to go in. Yeah. And that's what a goal does for me. I don't really care if I get there or not. I might surpass it. That would be fabulous. I might not get close, but it doesn't yeah. matter. The direction is now clear. And so that's what I've decided Oh, two weeks ago, I think. So what's happened in training is exactly what we were talking about, about before. I've decided to get out of my comfort zone and back into my discomfort zone and live in that space where I'm like, I don't feel like training. I don't want to eat well, but I know that I need to do these things. I don't want to go to bed early, whatever, like all that I don't feel likes. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you feel. How you feel is actually irrelevant. Mm. And all that matters is what you do. And so I find the same thing with business right now. I have a very clear direction that I'm going in. The rest, in a way, kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. Yeah, I I believe that too. I I can see both sides of that. Like I think having kind of the daily systems and just sticking to that totally. But there's something about when you set a goal or a vision that comes from you. And then you move closer to it. Mm. And it's like you came up with the goal and now you're a step closer to it than you were yesterday. Like you say, you might never get there. But because you were the genius behind the idea for you and your timeline and then you did the work and you get to move forward. I don't know. Something about it is fulfilling. It's just like... I'm moving forward and I'm the one who set the direction. You know, it's a really powerful feeling. Especially when you get the goal right. Like I think it's easy to not necessarily get the goal wrong, but not understand the why behind the goal or to be mismatched. So I have someone that I'm working with um, that seems to not be able to be consistent in what she wants to do. And she's telling me what her why is, but it's just not a why that I think is deep enough. Like Mm -hmm. I'm like, look, you're telling me why you want this. But it doesn't really align with your values. What are yeah. your values in this life? A lot of the pe- people can say like, well, I want to make a million bucks. I want to, I want to lose 10 kilos because it makes me feel good. I want to, what are all these things that they want? And it's clear why you would want them. But if it doesn't really align with your values in this life, 
that why and that goal won't serve you that well. So yeah. people will burn out. People will get two or three weeks of great behavior and great motivation. And then it's like, look, the why is just not powerful enough. It's not propelling me forward enough. When I set a goal, the goal reflects who I am. So I want to be better. Like I want to be a better person. And like you said, the thing that helps me show up every day is that big, scary goal. That thing that is like, I might not get there. Like I cannot leave any stone unturned. Like I have to get to that point and know that I've left no doubt. Like there's, I've done everything I can. So it's being big enough and scary enough. And then also knowing that it reflects what I want to, who I want to be as a person. Like I want to show up and I want to do hard things. Mm. I want to be better. I don't want to, I don't want to settle for, well, 2019 was probably my best year. Like that's probably the best I'll ever be. Like, and that might be the case, but at least I'm going to try again. And I, and I really believe in that. Yeah. Like I really, like I, I just, I, and here's the thing. It terrifies me, the alternative, like the yeah. alternative of me trying again terrifies me more than anything else of not trying not trying yeah Yeah, not trying is the worst thing ever being the type of person that just doesn't try that is not the type of person i want to be 100 percent. so it's being the kind of person that actually sets the goal sometimes is actually more important than the goal that's the why i want to be better and and what makes me be better is showing up and trying to get to this point in competition, showing up and getting on a phone call with you to try to get to this point in business. It's like, that's what pushes me to expand out and, and be the kind of person that I want to be in this life. Like yeah. this one life that we get, like, man, yeah. to waste it, not trying to be better. What a shame. Yeah. What a shame. There's so much uh, information or whether it's programming, there's so many things that can support you on a journey of not trying as well. Like I think that you're you're in an upstream uh, journey, right? Like if you, let's say you leave it for a couple of weeks or COVID hits, right? So that the narrative is like, well, uh, take it easy, right? Like rest, right? Because it's, it's really hard out there now and it's difficult and you probably should just, let things go for a little while and even in business and this is kind of a difficult one to talk about but i've been speaking to a lot of business owners post COVID, like everything opened back up and gyms uh cafes they're trying to find staff nobody wants to work we want to stay home because they've been so used to staying home and in a sense i know it was hard i know it was a tough time all of these things but I can't help but also feel like we've kind of gotten softer in two years. Like we're really not pushing like we were just in 2019. I remember that time. It was not that long ago. Um, so anyway, there's this uphill thing, right? Like you got to wake up and like remind yourself, all right, I'm going to go again. I'm going to push the edge. I'm going to find what's something that fires me up. That must be some kind of internal wiring you think that you've developed over time or you just surround yourself with people who think like that or does that, does that, uh, do you have anything to say to that? Um, I read a lot of books yeah, <laughs> and they all sort of say the same story. If you're reading self-development books or business books or, yeah. you know, like sports psychology books, 
they're all kind of similar. Like there's a there's a shared narrative there. So I think it becomes quite easy to connect the dots in your own life and, yeah. and start to play out some of that stuff in the way that you want. So reading has been something that I, I started reading probably in my mid-20s and it's like, you know, every night I read before bed yeah. and I can't get enough. Like I can't consume enough information from books and authors and I'd love it. And I think that that's probably been a big part of like creating that wiring. Yeah. Um, CrossFit and doing hard things just physically definitely helps. Like any kind of training I think is important in that in that respect. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've probably been brought up with a bit of a hustle, not a hustle nature, but my dad is a bit of a hustler. Like my dad is the kind of person who has very successful businesses. He's a property developer. He, he's had um, all kinds of businesses that he's sold and like had a lot of success in the business world and was always away working when I was younger. Um, and so like just a driven person and, and it was reflected in his health and well-being as well. Like he's a gym bunny as well. So there's probably been a little bit of that in my upbringing too. Yeah. I think, I think I was, I kind of I Take got rest, lucky with, work. yeah, with like having models and examples of people that were out there working hard. Yeah. Um, and, and, and knew that it came with challenge. Like I, we were on a call the other week and I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. I think it was being turned down and one of the things that I remember my dad saying to me was every no is one no closer to a yes mm. so appreciate the no's mm. like dad was really good at like hey like shit happens and that's part of the process um, and my mom was the same so that's probably helped yeah cool what's uh what's happening in your world at the moment anything you want to share or talk about with the nutrition side or the training oh so much so much um <laughs> like I said I'm trying to let my ideas be collected and collated and filed away somehow while I try to implement more. So I'm trying to put stuff into a, a website at the moment and create online courses. Um, and that really lines up with where I see my business going. So it's, it's actually really exciting. Um, but I'm really good at talking, filming content, creating this, the stuff, but putting it into a website I'm not very good at. So that's, that's some of my learning process right now. Um, numbers is something that I'm focusing on, like you and I sitting down tomorrow to chat about numbers with my business, which <laughs> as I was figuring out my last month's revenue, I said to Greg, like, I think I'm having a really good month this month, figured out the numbers and was like, oh, I've had an awful month this month. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so it's funny. I've been just like winging it going like, I think things feel good. Yeah. Like I think things are going pretty well. And now it's like, Hey, like objectively measure your shit. It, it's important. And you know, I can see that in training I can see that in nutrition and now I'm like oh okay it applies to business as well right you have to measure things in order to know where you're going in order to optimize in order to just like have an understanding of where you're currently at so that's some of the stuff I'm focusing on um, and that's been that's I feel like, you know, everything we've talked about often, it plays into like whatever your narrative is of yourself. It's like the narrative of like COVID was hard. It's really impossible to find people to work. It's like, that's a narrative. Mm. The narrative of I, I just want to have a small business. Like I don't want to have a big business. Like that's a narrative. Mm. One of my narratives has been, I'm not good with numbers. Like I'm just, I'm not a maths person. Like I always struggled with math. My, my, my dad was phenomenal at math. I didn't get that gene. I didn't inherit that. <laughs> so that's a really big narrative that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like try and 
like push my way through that at the yeah. moment and just get on top of it and, and make it a practice rather than like a, I should be naturally gifted at this thing. And if I'm not, whatever, I'll just give up on it. It's like, no, it's, it just comes through practice and, and knowing what you're doing. And the more, the more you do it, the more familiar you get with it. And the more you essentially over the long run become the expert at that thing. So yeah. that's, <laughs> that's what I'm wrestling with at the moment. That's the, that's the tiger I'm wrestling. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then on the training side, you're, so that means you're, back on the court you set some goals you we're back on yeah. we're back on um slowly i'm i'm still uh, we were talking about it before like uh, this past six months i've just been sick like every other month it's yeah. been four to six weeks i'm sick four to six weeks i'm sick so i'm actually in this phase where i'm not training that hard I'm, i've been much more consistent over the past two three weeks but i'm actually just really tuned into my body right now and really mindful of like how, what's my sleep like mm. what's my overall health status like am i around people who are sick like am i what, just don't get sick that's yeah. literally my goal at the moment don't get sick get three months of being healthy then push intensity yeah. so I, i'm actually i'm actually holding myself back a little bit just because i don't want to do anything stupid and be down again so the training i'm like hell yeah i'm gonna go to torium pro i'm gonna compete and like try to get as far as i can get within the next sort of 12 months but right now I'm just going to be really okay and, and not try and do anything crazy. I'm just going to sit and do classes and just keep it just where it needs to be. So yeah, I don't, yeah. don't essentially put myself back before yeah. I even start. But just so we're clear, that means individual? Individual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> individual. Yes. Right. That means individual. Yeah. That means trying to get to, and, and I actually, I know that I said that previously when I talked about qualifying, getting to the, the middle step between the games and the open yeah, yeah, was, yeah. was not the goal. Yeah. That has actually kind of become the goal because yeah. for me as an individual, that's a massive accomplishment. Like that is huge and it's terrifying enough because I know what those athletes are like and mm. I know where I've been the past two years. So that's kind of, that's, that would be the, that would be the top of the mountain for me right now. Yeah, cool. Um, plus it's, um, it, it, it aligns with me just being better. Like what the actual goal is. And I know that I'm talking about Torian Pro, which is the, semifinals for the CrossFit Games what I'm actually talking about is between now and then I want to get as fit as I possibly can I want to be the fittest I've ever been mm. by technically it's April 2023 yeah. so that's the actual goal yeah between now and then the testing time what is it that I can do to make myself better yeah. so it's like I kind of have this window of time to just see what's possible mm. so that's really the goal like I've had my worst finish last year or earlier this year can I have my best finish next year? That's actually what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I love that. What's possible. Very cool. Is there anything else that you want to let people know about or things that you've got coming up? Not that I can think of. Yeah. Nutrition coaching. Yeah, I do nutrition coaching. <laughs> I have a programming yep. business. Yeah. Um, I have some online courses coming out if there are any CrossFitters listening. Um, I also just want to say I, from what I've seen with your nutrition coaching and the ethos, I think it's really cool. Uh, you know, most of the people listening will have seen your profile and work, but just the, the, I guess the whole wholeness of it, that sounds kind of cliche, but like the, the ability to talk about anything that could be playing into your nutrition world, uh, I think is super powerful. I mean, I, I had a flu, I was telling you before, like a week ago, and I could only eat, um, I tried all different foods, 
uh, coconut water and chocolate milk. Like they, <laughs> they, they had taste and they made me feel better. Everything else felt terrible. But I feel like I could go into the nutrition, like the way that yeah. you talk about it and you're like, okay, cool. Like that's what we can work with, right? But I just wanted to say that I think if, you, if you're listening and you've ever thought about the nutrition stuff, the way that you have shared it in the past it feels good. It's like, I'm not going to get like ripped apart if I say that to somebody, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The nutrition coaching, like it's not what I think people think of when they think of a nutrition coach. Like mm. I'm not there looking at your food diary, giving you a check or a cross for what you've eaten. I'm looking at what do you need to be healthy? And if there are things in there that we quote unquote think are bad or unhealthy, I'm like, are they actually impacting you? And, you know, health is not defined by one meal that you eat over a week. It's like, what does your whole life look like? What does that entail? Because man, you could have one bad meal, you could have one good meal and it means absolutely nothing. What I need to see is everything that's going on. And for a lot of people, the diet is a, a big part of it. Stress and lifestyle is an even bigger part of it. And what happens is people come to us with food problems, but there's actually some other bigger problem that's producing the food problem. So as much as people think that they've got an issue with their diet, what they've actually got is they respond to stress by eating or they don't make time to meal prep or they don't have a partner that supports them or they like even responding to good experiences with food like if I feel happy, I go and get myself a reward mm. or like I deserve this. So what we actually often get to is like, hey, h- how are you dealing with responding to stress? And, mm. and what does how does food serve you in your life? Mm. Um, and then what are the other things going on in your life? Like like family, sleep, stress, like how can we counter some of that stuff? So it's very much taking a wide lens look at stuff and not picking on little things because Mm. sometimes they're actually inconsequential and they are actually symptoms of another thing, Mm. like another problem. Mm. So So true. Yeah. So there's a lot of that happening. Um, And what's been really cool that I've absolutely loved is working with my coaches and developing that side of them to be like, Hey, they've gone and done a nutrition course and they understand basics of nutrition applying it and implementing it in the real world totally different Mm. (laughs) totally different it's the same thing with like any trainer it's like man you could know head to toe the anatomy of the body and not be able to help someone squat yeah like it's like actually working with humans is just a whole different thing and i think that that's where the education system can fail us to a degree because it's information but it's not real world application and it's not knowing how to communicate not knowing how to empathize not knowing how to just understand people and get to the heart of the matter so that's what i'm working on with all my coaches all the time like hey like one can you be a better coach two can you also be better with like building your own version of success within because they're all contractors they're technically all sole traders as well so i'm like hey if I weren't here, like, what would you be doing? Can I help you with that? Can we build yeah. your presence? Can we make you better coaches? Can we, all that stuff. So that has been super enjoyable for me. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much all that I had. Uh, we could go on for a long time. There's lots of stuff I could pick your brain on, but I think that's a good, a good uh, session. Is there anything else you want to add? No. Nah. Nah. Did you want to prompt me on anything else? Because I forgot the other things. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to make sure you talked about the thing that you do and your yeah, business. Yeah. The business that I have. That's right. Yeah. yeah no, um, I think that's everything. I think that's it. Well, I'll put your links and stuff like that into the show notes. If you're listening, uh, make sure that you 
follow along with Kate's journey, CF Kate on Instagram. Yeah, you'll see you'll see everything there. That page is it's like reality TV, but the Instagram version. I saw you somewhere. You talked about it as the uh, like the Wild Wild West or something. It's the Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah. we talk um, about everything. Yeah, so jump on that, and even if you're, I mean, most people listening to this, a lot of them are business owners, but re- go back and listen to this again, especially tune into the bit where Kate started to talk about. I think we were sharing uh we didn't go deep into this today but the bit where you shared uh the struggle and how then look at your social media to see what that means and what you're actually doing um because if you want to do more of your own social media and share that stuff you can see that play out i think that yeah. you've got a great real world example people can see what that looks like and yeah social media has been a fun thing for me to learn and figure out and it's definitely sharing the struggles like sharing the stuff that you don't want to share that you think you should keep private um so it's just like not leaning into the fear really it's it's actually not just don't be afraid it's no you're gonna feel terrified and Mm. that's good that's actually the sign that that's what you need to share and the more you do that the more confident you'll you'll become yeah it's become yeah it's become my like testing grounds for like all right i'm just gonna say this and see what happens yeah yeah so yeah i think i i think i i like to think i kind of break some rules there's no real model there for like hey how do you start a business instagram page like that's not how you do it but it's been successful yeah I think just real, huh? I think yeah, we're yeah, craving yeah. That. It's like the brand is me, and yeah. that's probably been the best thing that I've established. It's like it's my story. It's me as a person. People are connected to me, and then they understand my why, my beliefs, my values. So then they connect with the product or the yeah. offer. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, let's wrap it up there. That's perfect. So jump onto Kate's profile, find out the links in the show notes, and if you like the podcast, then please share it with a friend. That's the most helpful thing you can do for us or subscribe to the show. And that's it for this episode.